Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. We're off and running in the middle of January, almost 2023. We've just gone through the wolf full moon. And that means that Jay Trill will be showing his fangs along with Andrew Henderson. Andrew, Jay was back on stage performing in front of people. He's going to be all kinds of wound up after his Missouri Cattlemen's weekend. It was a fun weekend. It really was. It was a great weekend. So, so was that um, what what day, was that? The, so you first of all, I'm going to say this on air. You were right about Mr. McCarthy. Yeah, Very right. No, but I I mean, in all fairness, just nobody else could actually was was going to be able to pull it out anyway. I do think. And so, listen, I told people this at that meeting as well. It was a huge part of the discussion. Everybody's all freaking out. And if you listened about two-thirds of the media, including some of the conservative media, they were all pontificating all this bizarre stuff. And and the reality is, is this is just a process that plays out. It so happens that this time it played out in public. More importantly, if you're a conservative, what we what we really did this last weekend was unwind the speaker's yeah. power and authority about 25 or 30 years, best I can tell, all the way back to maybe Dennis Hastert era in the in, the, know, in, uh, in the speaker's office. Listen, I followed it. I was glued to it. I suddenly worked out what it was all about. And those 20 patriots um, were amazing, in my opinion. They'll um, pay a horse. Yeah, they're going to pay a horrible. They're they're going to pay a horrible penalty for that. It won't be obvious, but they will pay a big penalty for it in moving legislation for their own districts. But I'm glad they did it, nonetheless. Well, well, listen. I I, I have a theory about that, and I know that it's going to sound like a conspiracy theory, but I don't mind pitching in with my latest view on that. Um, you do you know that that happened at seven minutes past midnight on the eighth? I was watching it live, but I didn't really pay attention to to the mechanics of that. Right? Yeah. Well, that was, and that was, and do you know it was a professional photographer that photographed Marjorie Taylor Greene's phone at the exact time when Donald Trump uh, made the phone call to tell Matt Gatz to uh, basically what what he didn't vote for um, for for. McCarthy, he what did he what did he, he voted president? Voted president, yeah. right? But you see, that was all staged, and that um, if you then look, this was all part of a, a revealing to the American public just how nefarious I think that the whole uh, house is. And I, I'm going to say one thing to you: the people, it's going to be quite easy if he doesn't keep one of those promises for. Just a few people, one, I believe, to actually question his speakership in the future. Is that correct? Do you see that? Um, that he's now, is that, do you think that's true or not? Well, I, you know, so I kind of have two opinions about it. Number one, um, is it mechanically easier for somebody to say, hey, uh, I want to reconsider? But then you're out there on the end of that branch all by yourself, right? It's just you. And so the, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one at you. 
I don't want to spend too much time on this for your benefit and for mine. I'll throw this at you. If they impeached the vice president and the president, is the speaker then the president in this constitution of yours? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm asking you this. If that was to happen and then the leader of the, of the, of the uh, party said, um, you need to recuse yourself of your position. We're going to get everybody to vote. I, we need to install the speaker as president. Do you not think that that's um, now wide open if that was to happen? Probably, yes. Well, that's all I want to say, because I have a feeling that there's a big plan afoot here, especially when you start to look at um, some of the, the things that happened last night with regards to what Trent and I just discussed about um, classified documents being found away from uh, the mm -hmm. vice president's secure um, um, information. And so now we're, we're, we're looking at a president. It's going to be pretty easy, if they want to, to prove that he's committed a treasonable act. Ex except one minor little thing. What's that? The Senate will never vote to convict... Uh, in an impeachment trial, they'll they'll take it up. There may be a trial, but there's going to be no no impeachment. So did, uh, did that'll pass the Senate? Did, um, it's just not going to happen. Okay, so so did um did Richard Nixon not get impeached? Then? No, he did not. He did not. He resigned. Did, did, so did Clinton get impeached, or did he resign? Uh, Clinton was neither, also not impeached. Not neither one. Nobody has so, been impeached since Andrew Johnson. It's the only so one. Only that... Andrew Johnson. So he's the last person. So an impeachment of Biden is completely out of the question. Then I, I wanted to know that. So what you're saying Correct. is that's completely out of the question. Correct. So could death is not out of the question. That... Yeah, what? that's true. Joe death Biden is, not is out probably of the more likely to die than be impeached. I mean, he's old and he's feeble and he might walk off the stage the wrong direction and break his neck. Uh, wait, he also might call a border. <laughs> he also might call a Salvation Army guy his Secret Service detail. Yeah, right. Oh, wait, no, exactly. he, he didn't might do that. Oh, he did that. Yeah, he did that. He yeah, did. That. Never mind. So what, what? But what happens if um, it becomes so obvious that through the findings in the um, Andrew about the pedophilia, they're, they're not going to impeach this guy. Center. This guy has been no, no, no. in D.C. for 47 years. These are all colleagues. No, no. They're comrades. They're not going to impeach him. It's that's no, dead said, in the water. Wait, wait a minute. I'm not suggesting that they do have to impeach him. I'm asking you, what happens when it becomes irrefutable that he's been involved in, in, in various crimes of mass misdemeanor, including, obviously, uh, well, money laundering but more than that pedophilia what happens when that gets proven trent what will happen short short who's no, but short it? of yeah short of treason he can't be charged with a crime you can't uh, you can't criminally prosecute the president of the united states while in uh -huh. office but treason you can you can you can you, you can. can politically prosecute him but you can't criminally prosecute him so his his jury, regardless of, of what what the what is on the piece of paper that that it says that he did, whether it's criminal, civil, um, IRS, et cetera, et cetera, you you name it, 
has to be dealt with by the Congress, not by the Department of Justice. And you don't think that if the information came out so obvious that he was a criminal, you don't think that the Democrats would do something about that if it became untenable that the general public really knew that he was a complete and utter criminal? You don't think the Democrats would make something happen there? You think they'd just let it carry on? Well, the question is whether or not he runs again in 2024, right? And we'll see what the the Democrat machine is trying to do here. If they think they have somebody that can that can uh, uh, run in 2024, you may see Joe Biden pushed to the side, much the same as uh, LBJ was pushed to the side. Um, do you think uh, it might be that, that guy Jeffries? Do you think it could be Jeffries? No. Joaquin Jeffries or whatever no. his name is. No, 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 no. So, no. But, but you're good at. You're good predicting these things. What do you think? Do you think Biden will run? Yes or no? Uh, best guess, I would say he is not on the ballot. I not agree. on the final ballot. Okay. Well, that's, I, I don't want to bore everybody with this. It's, it's something I'm interested in, but I'm we're watching from afar here, and, and uh, your president is becoming yeah. a laughing stock, and it's going to get even bigger now when it all starts especially the stuff that the White House is supposed to have done last night with this uh, uh, information with regards to Pfizer. The White House is up to its neck in this. So I I don't understand why at some stage the Democrats won't want to distance themselves from the president. But anyway, there you go. It is a rural route. Final thing about that whole situation last week, uh, we left out of the equation that a Democrat from Brooklyn New York got most votes for the Speaker of the House and what we thought was a red wave. Just wanted to throw that in there before we run out of time in this segment. Back with more Roll Route. Jay Truett, Andrew Henderson after this. Now I want to take this opportunity to talk about Lone Creek Cattle Company providing the cattlemen of the Great Plains of America with the market access to the consumer. Closer to the consumer's food dollar. That's the moral of the story. Providing the consumer a tender beef supply. A consumer that's willing to pay for a consistently tender supply and then passing that on to you, the producer. I need to get my calves rolling, and I plan to do that next week. To be honest, we have our DNA back, and the calves are ready to roll. A $180 premium. Maybe I should wait a couple weeks. Maybe this calf thing's going to take off. It's all about generating tender beef, and all of the food supply can be found at CertifiedPiedmontese.com. Lone Creek Cattle Co. for details about you as a cattleman. Welcome back. Roll out, Trent Lewis, alongside Jay Truitt, Andrew Henderson. Jay, what was your topic? What were you doing at Missouri Cattlemen's? Uh, oh, sorry. My, yeah, go on. Yeah, my, por- my part of the program um, initially was about just talking about the big national issues that are going to come up uh, between Congress and the White House and how we expect things to play out for the next, um, really, 2023 um, and you've got the farm bill, you've got foreign ownership of land. Um, you've, uh, we're we're going to see discussions about restructuring the industry, the beef industry, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in that, I inserted things like 30 by 30 and, awesome. and 50 by 50, right? Um, yeah. And some other private property uh, and property rights issues. And then on your left hand, there was a guy who was talking about, on the other hand, what was his 
uh, Greg Dowd. Advocate. So, so Greg Dowd, for people that haven't had a chance to hear Greg Dowd speak in the last six months or so, he's put together a presentation to talk about the big world dynamics. And, and, and it's a really complex set of slides and, and conversations, but the realities of it are, and at the end, he kind of brings it home over the changes that are taking place in China and the changes that are taking place where China does business around the world and how it's slowly but surely displacing the United States in dozens and dozens of countries, including in Europe. And it's, it's one of those things that just makes you like put your hand on your head, you know, and kind of just begin to wonder what the heck. Right. Um, Well, I think think China's crashing. Isn't it, isn't, isn't the spearhead of that what's happening in Brazil at the moment, really, that that in, in, in reality, that's the Chinese take, takeover of, uh, of South America? Is that not really what's going on there, Jay? Maybe. It, it may be, right? And I mean, the interesting thing, Greg actually talks about Brazil a little bit and his perspective is he thinks the Chinese are or that the Brazilians were really, really naive about allowing China in full force into their country to do a bunch of things with their infrastructure and other stuff. So I I don't want to take his thun- thunder away, but if you get a chance to go see him speak at some some meeting someplace or something, uh, take a piece of paper and set it down beside your plate or whatever, wherever you're at at that banquet that day, because there's, you're going to want to take a couple of notes. It's a, it's a fascinating conversation. And then we did a panel where he and I argued about the stuff we disagree on and agree on. And it was, it was like actually great fun. We don't really disagree on very many things. It sounds like great fun. It's not the same Greg, Greg Dowd that you know, Trent. Is it the same man? Uh Yeah, yeah the, the circle's not very big, Andrew. Yeah. Trent only really knows 11 it. people. Yeah, right. <laughs> for the for the record, Andrew, this is the and same. He's only speaks, and he's only speaking to three of them. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this is the same Greg Dowd that sat down with China and agreed to sell them all of our farm commodities to create inflation in the United States. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> oh, listen. Let's 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 get him on. I'd like to speak to this guy because the geopolitical landscape is confusing everybody at the moment. Really, yeah. I think that's part one of the most important things we need to start to understand. You know that geopolitically, when I look at is Italy or France, there's stuff going on here which is really important that we need to understand because it's it's fundamental to the. Well, to the freedom of the world, really. Greg, Greg has one slide in his presentation that was the best of all of them. And it's, and it's some slide. I wouldn't even know how to do this on a PowerPoint slide. Uh, but he's able to take and show the progression uh, country by country of the countries that are impacted by China. And, and it's a moving map. It's like a short video almost that shows how um, their reach is expanding. and that. That slide alone will answer your question. It's scary. I don't want to to look at that slide because I've been to China five times, as you both know, Uh and I only worked it out on the fifth visit what was going on. Yeah. 
I, uh, uh, Greg had some of those same fears, right? And uh, again, I, I do, I think Trent and I would probably disagree about whether or not it's good for us to export products to, to China. Um, it, I, you have to look at what the, what the mix of products that we're sending and why. Uh, it is a little bit concerning to me the fact that they are the taking in more agriculture uh, imports than the United States produces now. And so you got to think about that a little bit. They alone are going to import more product than all of our exports. And we are the big dogs in the export industry. If you take away the Netherlands flower business, right? You're mm -hmm. talking about true blue food items and, and things. We are the big dog on the block and they swallow us up. I would make a prediction without being able to really track this, either one of you, that in 2023, state legislators will spend more time talking about China-owned land and infrastructure of food than they've collectively spent in the last 50 years. Maybe so. Here's, here's another thing to consider, though. And I and and this is listen. I don't want the Chinese to buy the land around me either. But there is zero interest in China at this point in in uh, in operating, uh, not operating the 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 farms that they own. And mm -hmm. if they do operate them, that you can't really, it's almost impossible to segregate your production out and do something unique with it. I do know a couple of people that do do that. It, it think, is, think, it think, is think... extremely difficult to do. I know, a, I know a really large farming operation that puts their soybeans all in, in their own containers and they export them directly to the country of their choosing for human consumption. They're producing human um, they're producing food grade soybeans, but mm. I, it, it's, it, you can't just do it to the detriment of, of everyone else in the system. It's a, uh, it's, it's just a whole lot more difficult than what you think uh, to actually do. Jay, do you not think this is a little bit more, a little bit bigger than this though? For example, I, I was in a meeting this morning actually, and I heard something that relates to all this. It was a guy that, um, had a returns business from the, for any goods that were bought in China, right? And he sold it. He actually happens to be my neighbor, actually. And he sold it uh -huh. for millions of pounds, okay? And um, he was telling us this morning that even though he made an absolute killing, um, if he sold it today, he would get double the money only two years later. And we all went, oh, how, how why? And he said, because what happened in Ukraine has meant that Russia no longer has any real trade with Europe in terms of food and clothing, etc. And it is all virtually all of that trade has gone directly to China. So then you start to think about the whoa, whole whoa. map. Of whoa, 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 whoa. I got to I got to call you on that. China is not a food exporter. No, I never said about food exporting at all. I said clothing. I said that. What you, you did say food. Did he say food, Jay? Sorry. Well, I, I think you did, but you did I understand say what you're I'm saying. I'm talking now. about. I did. I, I meant imported. China. If China exports anything, 
it's clothing and plastic and God knows goodness what else. But yeah. all of the market that it was that Russia had in that area went to China. So the guy that sold the business, the business doubled because of COVID and because of the Ukraine war. And all I'm saying to you is, what if the Chinese actually orchestrated that? Well, I think knowing what I know about the USA, regardless of whether you're a republic or not, they can completely control Washington at the moment. Simple. China does. Pardon? China does. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, well, I'm not arguing done. that. I just want to make sure I knew what you were saying. I am arguing this. Your election. The clock yeah. says we got to go. We'll be back with the second half of Roll Route. I was weighing going over time and responding to that, but we'll be back with the second half after this. Let's take a look at what's happening in the world of Protect the Harvest. Speaking of which, I haven't been on the website this week. Let's go there while we're talking. Protect the Harvest is all about empowering you because without you empowered, we do not preserve a free and fed nation. That, at the end of the day, is what it's truly about. Taking advantage. No, that's a bad word. Not taking advantage. Creating opportunities for those that have sacrificed before us, all of the people that have been about the three objectives of Protect the Harvest, to inform, protect, and respond. You know, that's absolutely the best approach because without informing, responding, protecting, we cannot maintain a free and fed America. If you agree with me, then go to the website, sign up for the email newsletter. Maybe, maybe you want to make a contribution. Don't forget, coming up on the 21st of January, it's that fundraiser with the Whitetails Unlimited in Springfield, Missouri. Details at protecttheharvest.com. Welcome back. Trent Luce alongside Jay Truitt in Missouri, Andrew Henderson in the UK, and now the chore boy in um, Annapolis, Maryland, Greg Dowd, knocking stalls. <laughs> I love Appropriate it. Appropriate show. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, hey. <laughs> Just because you don't get invited oh. once a month like you used to, or once a week like Jay, you got to be all angsty about it. Guys, this is the person <laughs> that sold all of our food to China. <laughs> causing inflation to happen across the land, and you can't afford eggs because Greg Dowd was the negotiator. <laughs> he finally opened the market. No, I was. Oh, so Greg, I was bragging on your uh, your presentation yeah. that you had made, and yeah, he was telling it. He was actually telling telling us all that there was somebody that knew more about things than he did, which was a yeah. first. Yeah, as Greg. A first. It's Greg. There's three others. I won't tell you who those are. Well, all I, all I was left told me after I was that he was just scared. He didn't know what else to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, Jay, let's just be honest, because you and I have yeah. known him for the longest period of time, 30 right. years, right? He didn't have all this knowledge until he started hanging with these West Point graduates. Now, all of a sudden, he thinks he knows more than all of us combined. Well, I will. I will I'll tell you this. As soon as he started hanging around all these guys from the Department of Defense background, right? His presentation <laughs> got cooler. It, now he does all these fancy things in it, you know. That before he just had all he had was just are you, charts, are, are you, graphs. 
Numbers, Are you saying but... now he relies on crutches? He didn't rely yeah. on crutches before. <laughs> he just provided information. Uh, he probably stole that from the White House. We're going to find out someday that the FBI is raiding his compound there, which is basically to help him muck stalls. Yeah. Well, so so yeah. they got Biden's compound. Uh, yeah. They got yeah. Compound. I'm next. Right? Is that yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> Greg's next. <laughs> No, it's truly. The the press are trying to say that his um, classified information wasn't really that that classified. That's how they. That's how the press has come out of that one. Consider who you were dealing with there. How could it have been? (laughs) Right. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's a good point. Seriously, can there be a problem? (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. I. I, I think it's even funnier the fact that it's most likely the the honest to goodness answer is he just forgot, right? He literally yeah. oh, just yeah. forgot where he put them, and so he kicked them into a closet. He sold all the secrets long before he actually left the White House, so it doesn't really matter what he did, and it's over now, right? I mean. Yeah. It so, is what it is. Greg, the truth of the matter is that we were pontificating on the economy and we decided we needed to look at it on the other hand. And so naturally you come to mind. Yep. Well, um, so the uh, the slide that I've been using to talk about this is that I use the top 10 economies in the world. And that starts with the U.S. and then China and then Japan and then Germany and the U.K., and I think I can do this from memory. So uh, at third quarter GDP, the U.S. grew at 3.2. China didn't put out a number, and then they said it, they grew at 3.9, but that's impossible because a couple <laughs> later, Hong Kong said they came out and grew at minus 4.5. So if, if Hong Kong's at minus 4.5, somebody explained to me how China can be plus 3.9. It didn't happen. And, and so then you get to Germany or Japan is uh, minus one point something in the third quarter. They've gone negative. Germany's positive 0.3. UK's negative 0.3. You go down through the rest of the Europe, it's all zero point something. And uh, the, the point being is that Jamie Dimon, uh, I, I like what he says on the economy, usually JP Morgan. He says it's, you know, six plus months before the U.S. goes into a recession. His point is this. How long is it before the U.S.? Uh, who isn't doing that badly gets sucked into the vortex of the rest of the world economically. And I think that's the right point to make here is, is the fact that we're not, the U S isn't doing that bad, but because of uh, Russia, Ukraine, because of China, uh, you know, lockdowns and now blowing out on the other side of COVID and doing what we were doing a couple of years ago, you know, China will come out of this, but they've got a massive real estate bubble. Um, there, there's just a lot of negativity around the world in, in major economies that makes it really tough for the U.S. to pull up out of this. The other side of this that I would say is that uh, the reason the dollar has fallen here in the last month pretty hard is that everybody's made a decision because of all this recession is kind of off the table. Well, that means that uh, the funds and, and the big money here that, that buys ag commodities as a hedge against inflation uh, they've taken a walk and uh, probably going to be really tough to get them back in the room here too. So it's it, it it's just kind of soft is, is the outlook. Greg, here. Greg, can I ask you, what do you think, sorry, can you just just clarify that? What do you think is going to happen to the futures market at the moment? What What's your view there? What are you saying about um, 
feed feed prices, etc. What are you saying there? Okay, About commodities. Um, on the ag futures, the, the answer is on corn and beans. Uh, our corn export program here in the U.S. Uh, is horrid. It's off by a factor of 50% right now. Uh, beans are, you know, relatively tight. They're at $15. But you got to feed the bull, Andrew. You got to keep throwing money at this thing to keep it propped up here. And I don't think the funds are going to jump into this thing because of the, uh, the lack of inflationary notion. So it's, it's going to be really hard to kind of hold on to this thing. The, uh, something happened over the weekend that is unprecedented, and that is the first shipment of Brazilian corn landed in China. Right. And if the Brazilians wow. are going to pump corn into China and, and we're not, uh, they've got a huge corn crop and a huge soybean crop coming out of Brazil. It's going to be awfully tough here. Uh, uh, for things to uh, to go up from here, but we kind of know that on on the beef side of the equation, Andrew, it, it's I, I want to be frank about this. We haven't even begun to see the effects of the last few years of drought in the United States in terms of what's going to happen in the beef complex in the U.S. You haven't even started, and and so once you begin to see it rain, like it is out in California, and and I think the demise of La Nina is coming here this spring. Uh, that means that we're no longer going to be uh, sending cool cows to market and we're going to be taking heifers and putting them back into the herd and not in the feedlot. That shrinks the supply of beef even more in the United States. And uh, we're going to much higher prices or, or higher, you know, we've got April uh, live cattle at a buck six or $160 right now. To me, that's kind of the floor for april and uh you know we're we're gonna be pretty strong and pretty tight here uh the challenge is uh you know with the with the cow calf guy in the u.s you know corn's gonna be you know pretty expensive which which takes the top off of uh what what you could potentially get on the farm did you just say that you thought because did you just say that you you thought because of the soybean being exported into china that that would depress your soybean price market or will it still stay high well, I, you've got so our window is getting ready to close here for uh, sending beans to China because the uh, come February we're you know we're you know, six weeks away from switching from uh, the U.S. being competitive to the Brazilians being competitive as their crop begins to come off here in, in six or eight weeks. Yeah. Um, so that's that's when it makes it really tough for for the U.S. to to do anything further because we're, it's kind of the end of the show for us. Um, there is, so that you've got a huge Brazilian soybean crop company, 154 million tons, unbelievable at a time when the Chinese economy is, is kind of squishy here. And, uh, the, the, the most interesting chart in the world to me right now is soybean crushing margins in China, Andrew, they're all over the board one week to the next. It's impossible to gauge what's going on over there. If, if you look at that chart alone, but on the other side of this folks, we've got a big thing coming later this year, and that is renewable green diesel. Uh, these new crushing plants really, and, and uh, refining of uh, vegetable oil and soybean oil into diesel fuel. This is not biodiesel. This is stuff you can pour straight into the tank. And uh, wow. that's really gonna come online here November, December, which for 2024, that means we may not be quite as concerned about selling beans to China we're going to be using oil at home, crushing the beans at home, but we're also going to have a lot of soybean meal that we've got to figure out what we're going to do with. I might add that's a great place for us to be as a country. Yes, yeah, it, it is. I think this is, it's also, 
it's also really yeah. worrying because from my perspective because of what's happening in holland because we're going to be very sure of um of uh, dairy and beef in the uk and europe because of what's happening in holland so there you go yeah that uh the eu farm to fork initiative I, andrew i call the eu farm to empty fork initiative because that's what you got yeah. going on yeah right yeah i Greg, I it, while we have you, and I mean not to take over Trent's spot, but the, the other map that I mentioned that you show is the kind of the fancy slide that you do at the end where it shows China's progression into the world. And that that's almost worth the entire presentation right there if a person can just watch that and understand what's going on in the world from their from their footprint standpoint. And, and and what's interesting about that, so what that chart shows is from 1980 until now, uh, the, the countries, all the countries on earth, which one of those was, uh, the U.S. was their largest trading partner, and which one of those today is China is their largest trading partner. And what you see is, is the world, the whole world is now China is their largest trading partner, and we, we understand why that is. Most Americans don't see that, though. When you, it's the visual of it that you see that really jumps out at you. And, and from my perspective, Jay, and, and my old job, you, you have African nations begging the U.S. to uh, get more involved in, in trading with them. Uh, you know, I was in Morocco, and you see these Chinese billboards everywhere. The Moroccans are, you know, they don't like that. They'd right. much rather no. do business with us. And, and yet we're, you know, we, we were working our tail off in the Trump administration. And now, you know, everything's kind of gone cold again. Uh, I, frankly, I wish we would do more just in the Western hemisphere with regard to yeah. reaching out. I'm reaching out, roll out one more segment after this. I want to remind you about High Plains Cattle Supply. Robert Farnham doing a fantastic job getting the cattlemen of the area, the area being anywhere that you have cattle, actually, and the supplies needed, including rodent patrol. Last night I was at 88 Tactical, which is, uh, oh, my goodness, it's an incredible place in Omaha. It reminded me a bit in terms of the customer service that's taking place at High Plains Cattle Supply with ammunition, with guns. With feed, with knowledge, with service, with shoes, whatever you may need, stop in. Even some pork jerky there. Stop in and say, hey, Robert, what's the deal with this pork jerky? It's quite good. What was beef? It's better than beef jerky. What? Seriously? High Plains Cattle Supply. Tell Robert to say thank you for his service to the cattlemen of Colorado. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Loose alongside Jay Truett, Andrew Henderson, Greg Dowd, breaking my own rules. Never have four people in the conversation. But, you know, hey, Greg is special. We treat him special. In the, you know, in that I don't, know whether, sort of I don't know whether that's a compliment or not from Trent. But anyway, carry <laughs> it's on. Not, I, I can assure you that. Andrew. Hey, how's your pork supply, Greg? It's good. <laughs> I got it here the other day. Just a bunch of bacon and jerky showed up on my doorstep. It's amazing. Oh, that's nice. That's wonderful. You'll have to thank that supplier when you see her. <laughs> I think I just did. No, <laughs> she didn't hear you. <laughs> oh. 
Uh, I want to go back to something you said at the beginning, and then uh, these guys will take this wherever it goes. How did our GDP grow by 3.2%? Everybody's struggling. How how did that work? Well, that is a really funky number of, you know, GDP is a function of consumer expenditures, investment, and government expenditures. If you remember from economics, macroeconomics, CIG. So what, and one of the interesting factors of all that is inventory and whether inventories are growing or depleted. And, you know, uh, in the third quarter, typically think about it this way, your inventories are growing because you're getting ready for the Christmas holiday and things like that. So if you, if you really dig into those numbers, there's some positives in those numbers. There are things that aren't really looking that great. And when you look at things like real estate, uh, et cetera. So, you know, from a, if you, if I talk to my peers in agriculture, the word they use all the time is demand destruction. And, and in other words, you've, uh, you've priced things too high and people can't afford them anymore. Uh, that's going on around the world more than it is here in the United States. But it, it's really difficult to see how the U.S. economy is, is going to, I don't think we're going to falter that far. I don't think we're going to be that much in the negative, but it's, it's really going to be difficult to grow at 3% this year, I think. And I think most people agree with that. Well, hang on. Don't you think that that's partly due to the fact that you're borrowing, you know, $1.7, $1.9 trillion and that you can buy an awful lot of vaccines and create an awful lot of business through federal spending? I mean, that is it real growth? Because I was looking at figures the other day that suggest that you've lost nearly 300,000 full-time jobs already. Yeah, but well, I, I, let me let me just insert as well, though, if you look at what consumer borrowing was uh, over the, the third and fourth quarter in the United States, it may make that one point seven trillion dollar number that the federal government spent look like chicken feet at the really? end of the day. Wow. wow. That is right. The government side of this in the United States, guys, is just very minor. It, it's it's it doesn't really move the needle very much. But Jay is exactly right. The question is, how much more home equity and credit card debt can these guys run up before they hit the rope gets tight? And that's the end of it. Well, listen, yesterday, are you all aware of what happened in Switzerland yesterday? I am not. No. The Swiss bank announced its biggest loss ever at an annual loss of £146 billion equivalent or euros equivalent and then most of that debt do you know where it was no the united states of america huh. just thought Not you surprised. should know that it's yeah um and that has sent alarm bells throughout the european markets over the last 24 hours because well, for a bank to lose that amount of money it's frightening well, if you get on the wrong side of a currency trade here, that's where you can really get yourself in trouble as a central bank. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. half of that was a guy named Sam Freud Bankhead or something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Sam Freud Bankhead. Goodness me. I, I, I want to bring up two other things, Greg, because as you know, short term, I'm talking about farm, farm challenges, short term 
labor all the way through the food system is the challenge in continuing to expand or even maintain where we're at. Longer term, we see the federal government through the Bureau of Land Management acquiring another 10,000 acres of land in Montana last week. We continue to see outside interests buying land, putting land values at a place where everyday farmers and ranchers just simply can't buy it and make it work at the cost that it is. That short term and long term is what I see really putting us at a disadvantage in food production. Yeah, now you're right, Trent. The, in fact, if you look at Iowa, what's going on here recently, there have been some no sales on land. Uh, folks really beginning to cool their heels on all this. But, uh, but I'll be, Trent, I'll tell you something just personally. My operating note for the cattle operation in Kansas is now 7.75% on, on borrowed uh, or some purchased uh, bred heifers. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I need a new banker, but uh, my point is this. At that interest rate, uh, that's going to do a lot of cooling. <laughs> yeah. I See, I actually think that, that is the, that's the factor that cools that, that market off. When you sit and look at uh, some guy that's doing a lease, it's not going to be long before John Deere and Case and, and, and all those people are passing those same rates along. That gets built into their lease. And so a guy looks at his operating note which includes leases, right? And yeah. Andy turns around and he's trying to pay for that, that operating note. And all of a sudden it's two or two and a half points higher than what he was paying just a couple of three years ago. Um, that's real. We don't make two and a half percent most of the time in agriculture. But so that's right. There are going to be some pretty frank conversations between bankers and some of these farmers this spring when that operating uh, note begins uh, to take place. Okay, but doesn't all of that accelerate what I was talking about? That means that out of out of country or out of farm country, for sure, interests that don't need to borrow money will continue to buy land, continuing to push it higher and not have the bearing of interest on it. Yeah, if you that's believe real. that that's yeah. really driving it or the, the, what's really driving land values is the fact that it's the, the 80 acres of the quarter next door that comes up once in a lifetime and all of the guys next to it right. decide to have it. Well, you, that, that, anything is there, that, Greg, what's you driving? Know that, that, that people, it, when it, man's hierarchy of needs is that, that food is pretty high on the list. I've got a feeling that maybe farming will be able to stand some of these interest increases because food will get more and more expensive in the short to medium term. Well, that, that's right, Andrew. One of the things that, that the reason that these prices have gone is commodity prices have gone up and, and farmers yeah. are betting to come a little bit that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to take advantage of this opportunity. Uh, Any, you know, it's anybody a student of the eighties. <laughs> I was. This, yeah. Yeah, exactly than, exactly yeah it's a little different in the than the 80s but it's there's a lot of similarities as well china would be yeah, the difference we, compared to the 80s well we, so you've we got wouldn't, we wouldn't be spending the same amount of gdp at that time either yeah so you, you've got two big things that have changed in ag in the last four three years trent and that is uh china's banning Will feeding of hogs, which has driven them to be the largest corn importer on earth. Mm -hmm. That that was the big change that that took the corn market where it is today. The second thing is what I just described about renewable diesel. That is the second big structural change coming here that we haven't 
we haven't seen yet, but we will 12 months from now for sure. I'm glad you came on this show because that, that is something I didn't know. I really didn't know about. Well, at least one of us are glad you came on this show, Greg. Yeah, I, I'm semi glad. I was just glad to see that he's working. <laughs> That, that, you know, that he's out you know working, you know cleaning, Jay, Jay, cleaning Jay, a stall can you, this can morning. Can you change your name to fence sitter? Jay <laughs> fence sitter, right? Because fence sitter. Yeah. you're no. semi, how can you be semi glad? Look, it's the, it's the most, you know, what's that he mean? Makes, semi he, he makes us semi-glad. look bad. He's already out working. Look at the guy. He's got his beanie yeah, hat on. But Jay, right? Jay, I mean, you know as well as I do that Greg Dowd's all about image, and he's got this suit and tie hanging with the aim point folks now. He needed to fix it. He needed to get a pitchfork in his hand to show right. people he can still muck stalls. Yeah, he's uh, he's yeah, out working, working like a – I can't like believe he isn't over there by the chickens morning. with yeah, the chickens crowing in the background. Though, you know when Jen says I agree with Andrew and I agree with you, Trent, and then we're both having an argument, it's hard to stomach. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> I agree with you and I agree with Andrew as well. So yeah. none of us can have a go back at him. He should be the Speaker of Congress. That's my view. Vote Jay Truitt. Boy, that would scare us all. Yeah. Mm. That's one of the scariest <laughs> things America can imagine is me as a speaker. All right, Greg, let's pretend you're never going to. Oh, there are the chickens right there. See, I told there you to get chi- those chickens in there. All right. We got the chickens in there. All right, Greg, you got one minute. But give us a wrap up. A one minute wrap up is that uh, we've uh, we've got some uh, rough road and, and a, a lot of volatility ahead. I, I think for us it, overall in the U.S. economy and, and the U.S. or the, the ag side of things will be kind of uh, drug along behind. And uh, we've just got to see what's going to happen. One of the, to me, one of the leading indicators or the canary in the coal mine is oil prices. In the last week or two, it's been very confusing to me to see oil prices falling while the dollar is falling. That suggests to me that global demand for energy and the global economy is not doing well. Uh, that suggests to me that China is not doing well. When you see oil prices begin to turn around, that's probably the signal that things are going to get better. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Good. Cool. Great. All right. Well, Andrew, you said I wish we could get Greg Dowd on here one day. We made it happen. So it's all good. Yeah. Um, okay. Next week, I want to Epstein. Can you get him on? Please? <laughs> no. <Invite him> on. <laughs> you probably can. <laughs> Do the right number. <laughs> That'll you do know, it. We're out of here. No, very, no I, more Epstein Island very, discussions. We've successfully no, journeyed. Very, I, I want to see. I want to see how, how how Jay agrees with what I and you say, as well as what Epstein says. Yeah, We've successfully time. journeyed down the road, connecting food producers <laughs> and food consumers. For Greg Dowd, Jay Truett, Andrew Henderson, I'm Trent Lewis reminding you that all roads do lead to a muck-free stall on a roll route. Cheers, everyone. Let's just close up our discussion today by talking about energy and in particular... You know, Greg can talk about the lack of demand for energy, but there's a demand for electricity. And when you want electricity, you want reliable electricity. This time of year, it's vital in order to keep everything working. Coal provides that reliable, vital energy supply, burning coal. The details about the people, the details about how the emissions have been reduced. It's reduced to the point where I'm now concerned that we don't have enough 
nutrients in the atmosphere. That's aside from the point. The real point is the people behind the scenes at Lignite Energy Council continue to get you the information and the energy that you need. Full details about how life is powered by coal at the website, lignite.com.